The title of my uh, sermon, my talk this morning is, uh, where are you looking? Where are you looking? Okay, do you look down at this little thing like this all the time? Are you looking down like this all the time? Most of us do, and that's why we all have to go and see Dr. Matt. <laughs> because we're bent down, and this needs, we need a chiropractor. We're bending down. Do you know that one doctor said to um, a patient, what I want you to do, the patient was depressed, and the doctor said, examined and considered what was happening, and then said to the patient, this is what I want you to do. Uh, because the patient would leave home, would walk to the train station and then go off to work. What I want you to do is when you walk to the train station, I want you to look at the rooftops of all the homes. And I, I do this every day and come back and see me in a month. And the patient came back in a month and her depression had lifted. Why? Because she was always looking down and she'd leave home harassed, stressed, burdened but when she looked at the rooftops she started to breathe better and started to breathe in the oxygen and just breathing alleviated this sense of oppression and it just lifted her spirits sometimes we've got to look up my first point is look up look up and look up where look up to God. That's the first thing. Look up to God. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I look up to God. God. God, our Father, who you know, we feel often that we're a bit of a failure as fathers. Maybe some of us have had fathers who've been a bit of a disappointment to us. And we find it sometimes difficult to understand that God can be a father. But the, our heavenly father, you know, the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught us to pray goes like this. Our father in heaven. Uh, why does it have that? Why does it have his address? It has his address because heaven is perfect and we're talking about a perfect father who is consistent, who is reliable, who is dependable, even though our human fathers may not be, but you can trust this one because he's perfect. And therefore the psalmist says in 103, he is like a father to us. He is tender. He is sympathetic. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so good great is his love for us so we lift up our eyes we look we look to the heavens we look to our heavenly father last year last October um, Killy and I had the great honor and privilege of um, being uh, invited to speak at C3's women's conference um, in Sydney and um 
It, that was a great honor. It was Pastor Chris's 20th anniversary of running her conference, and it was a joy. And they put us up in this hotel in the city, and uh, because we were jet lagged, we would kind of like go to bed, a little, you know, early. Well earlier than normal because we were so jet-lagged and we were just getting ready to go to bed and then um, we started to hear these fireworks and we we're like oh no let's have a look so we out of bed rushed out opened the curtains and we couldn't believe it because we were put in the 37th floor of this hotel room we looked out of the window and we the fireworks were directly outside of our window and we were above them. We'd never seen that before. We were above the fireworks. We could see things that we've never seen before. We had this incredible private show. It was just amazing. We thought it was done just for us because it was literally, you didn't, we didn't have to look over there. We didn't have to look over there. It was just there, there, and we were above it. You know, we saw things we hadn't seen before. What do we need in life? We need three things. Why? We need three things because many of us suffer from the Columbus syndrome. Columbus set off and he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. When he got back, he didn't know where he'd been. So many of us are a little bit like that. We don't know where we're going. We don't know. Right, what do we need? What do we need? We need insight. We need foresight. We need oversight. We need insight, like a microscope. We need foresight, like a telescope. We need oversight, like, like being in a helicopter and looking down at your home. You see, we need to be able to see, have insight, foresight, oversight. Well, where do we get that from? Only God. Because he's the only one that's got insight, foresight, and oversight. And so we need to be able to see the way God sees. That's what we need. So my first encouragement to you is look up. Doesn't matter what's going on, look up. Look up and say to the Lord, Lord, give me insight, foresight, and oversight. Help me to see like you see. Secondly, look in. Look in. Look in here. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 in the Bible says this The Lord doesn't see things the way you see things. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Looks at the heart. In our hotel room here where we're staying, um, there's a lovely big mirror, which is great. And then they've got the little mirror. You know that little one where when you kind of pull it out, this little light comes on. And, you know, I don't do that, use that one. Killy uses it, she likes it, I ignore it. So, but last night, last night I was curious. <laughs> you know, because I use the big mirror to have a little shave and I'll, but last night, so I pulled the mirror and I looked at myself. <laughs> I was like, Killy, Killy, I've got blackheads. 
couldn't see, you can't see the blackheads in the big mirror. And then in the little mirror, it's like, oh my word, my nose is a blackhead. <laughs> you see, sometimes we can't see the debris. Can we? We can't see the dirt. And I'm like, God, I want to get out of these fucking, get them out. You know, we can't see it. Uh, you know, what would it be like if we went through God's x-ray machine? What would God see? Actually, God sees it anyway. It's a little bit dirty. Yeah? I went, um, this was years ago. I've got three sons. We have three sons. But when our eldest son, Michael, was about four, he and I, we went shopping to go and buy his mum, Killy, my wife, to buy her a birthday present. And we went into this store, and as we walked into the store, there was this huge sign that said, do not touch, all breakages must be purchased. Now, why did I not walk out? <laughs> I've got a four-year-old son. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I should have just walked out. The first thing was, it said, do not touch. So my little boy, Michael, and me, we both want to touch. <laughs> because it says, do not touch. So it's almost like, do not touch. You want to touch, because it said, do not touch. You know, you're like, you feel like it's an injustice. Do not touch. Who says do not touch? I'm going to touch. Yeah, but a little four-year-old, he's touching, he's fiddling. Boof! This massive thing falls to the floor. Smashes. The manager comes along, stands there, does not speak. All they do is point to the sign. All breakages must be purchased. Well, he couldn't afford it, could he? <laughs> you stupid git. <laughs> or whatever. You're going to pay for that. I mean, I did think of saying, well, I didn't break it. I, you know, I didn't break it. He broke it. He needs to pay. I could have walked out. I didn't break it. He did. His fault. He should pay for it. Listen, he couldn't even pay for it with 10 years of pocket money. How many breakages have we taken part in? How many things have we broken? How many of the Ten Commandments have we broken? We can't pay for them. So I paid for his breakages. We look up. We look in. We look back. Where do we look back to? We look back to 2,000 years ago at what Jesus did for us. Recently, 
I was in London, we we're driving in London, and I saw this van, this light lorry, and it advertised on the front, um, decorating services established 2016. And I thought, I would never use you. <laughs> what you're telling me, you've had four years of credit, and you think established in 2016. I mean, they must be idiots. Why would they put that? Because nobody's going to hire them. What, you've had four years of experience? That's all you've had? And you think that's going to impress me, that you know everything about decorating? There's a store in London, it's a store where the Queen goes shopping, it's called Fortnum and Masons. And outside the store, in Piccadilly, it's got this big sign, established in 1707. Well, that gives a bit more gravitas, doesn't it? <laughs> Whoa, they know a little bit. That's why the Queen shops there. Okay, but listen to this, listen to this. Christianity established 2,000 years ago, billions of satisfied customers. Billions of satisfied customers. So we look back 2,000 years ago at what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. There was a famous artist. He went back to the very small rural community where he was born and brought up. And he's just walking around looking at some of the stores in the village. And there's an antique shop. And he looks through the window. He cannot believe what he sees. In the window, there's one of his masterpieces. It's a painting that he had painted years before he was famous. His painting was scratched, dirty, broken. The frame was broken, but it was his painting. But he couldn't go into the antique shop and say, that's my painting. I want you to give it back to me. If he wanted it back, he had to buy it back before he could clean it, restore it, and reframe it. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. You see, we've broken, we've broken. We have so many breakages and we can't pay for the breakages. And Jesus says, I'll pay for them. And he paid for them on the cross. That's why we look up and we say, God, our heavenly father. And then we look in, oh, father, I'm a broken person. I'm so broken. But then we look back. We look back at the cross and we say, oh, you, 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 you have the remedy to forgive me, to pay for all my breakages. And you have the remedy and the solution to put me back together again, to clean me, to restore me and to reframe me, to fill me with the power and the presence of your spirit, to empower me afresh. So I look up, I look in. And I look back, and then what do I do? I look around. I look around. 
I look around. Why? Because, because now I've looked back and I've been empowered by, by forgiveness and I've been empowered by the presence of his spirit. I'm now a new creation. I'm a new person and I now carry the presence of Jesus. I'm a carrier of the presence of Jesus. So wherever I go, I exude the presence of Jesus. I exude the peace of Jesus. I exude the power of Jesus. And so I'm a channel of this to other people. You see, so I look around because people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So we look around and we, we try and help other people, other needy people. We help people who are bending down and we help them to look up. And we invite them to come and experience what we have experienced. I loved it. The moment we arrived this morning, uh, we met this beautiful lady outside, an, an angel. And we just had a brief word with this lady um, who's doing the security outside. And I, I was deeply moved when I heard and I said well how did you end up coming to this church and she said oh my son invited me well how what happened and she said well my son came here he got transformed and he invited me and 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 I thought well what is it that's transformed him let me go and see so she came and the first Sunday she came she got transformed and now she's a security person outside So what do we do? We look up, look up. We look in. We look back. We look around and we say, okay, Lord, who, who can I help today? Who can I help this week? Who can I help? Who can I help? I was, I was doing my shopping at this supermarket. And at the supermarket, they had all the checkouts where you go and pay. But they had a special checkout for 10 items or less. I thought, Great, I only had like three items. That's me, yeah? I don't have to line up on these long lines. I can whiz through. Anyway, I got to that little bit and then there were people in front of me and I started counting <laughs> what's in their baskets. And the person in front of me had 12 items. And I felt this was an injustice. The sign said 10. You've got 12. And I, I was like, you know, you know, my blood vessel was like boom, 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 boom. I felt like I had to tell them they've got 12. They need to go over there. This isn't right. Wait a minute. And I'm, I'm thinking, flip, you know, there's human trafficking and I'm thinking this is an injustice. Right? And then what happens is, it's not moving. The line's not moving. God, why is it not moving? All the other big lines, they're all moving. Ours isn't moving because there's this woman who doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> and then her little, you know, her tape, the little paper thing, the receipt, it runs out. And she's run out of another roll. And I'm like, I can't believe it. What's going on? Why do they put all these incompetent people on there? Why doesn't the store get more of those rolls? 
thinking all this. It takes me normally two minutes to kind of get a proper perspective. <laughs> I think it, and then I get a bit of insight, foresight, oversight. So by the time I get to the lady, I say, well done. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sorry you're, you've had a lot of difficulties today. Oh, I'm so, oh, isn't it a nuisance when the uh, receipt paper runs out? But I say, listen, don't worry about it. You're doing, you're doing a good job. And she lifted her head. She was down. She was harassed. She was burdened. I don't know what was going on in her life, but her body language said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to work here. And then she started to cry. Probably the first good word spoken to her that day. Look around. Can I say something good to somebody? Can I lift somebody up? Can I help them? Right, we look up, we look in, we look back, we look around, and then what do we do? We look forward. What do we look forward to? We look forward to Jesus Christ coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. I debated with an atheist professor at Cambridge University. And we were in front of oh, the university. It was absolutely packed in the debating union chamber. It's, it's a massive thing. And he was in a chair. I was in a chair. And then he would get 10 minutes. And then I would get 10 minutes. Then he got 10 minutes. I got 10 minutes. He got 10 minutes. It went on like that for 60 minutes. Right. But every time I finished my 10 minutes, he mocked me. And this is a professor, and he would mock me. And then on one of these mocking occasions, I said, Lord, I know it's not quite time for the second coming. <laughs> but could you just walk on the stage? Because I just want to see if he's going to wet himself. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's not over until the fat lady sings. Now, I don't know who that fat lady is. I don't know who she is, where she lives, but I tell you that, it's not over till the fat lady sings. I tell you this, it's not over till Jesus comes back. And when he comes back, we've read the last page. We've read the last chapter. We know how it's going to end. It's all going to be good. It's all going to be okay. And God's on our case. So we inspire ourselves by looking up, looking in, looking back, looking around and looking forwards and saying, you're coming back. So I need to live my life in the light of eternity. He's coming back. Why? You know, our lives here on earth, it's a blip. Our lives are a blip on the eternal screen. They're a blip. 
2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. In keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so Philippians 3 verse 13, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I want to be in God's faith book. Forget about Facebook. Are you, is your name in God's faith book? My name has been written in God's faith book. And therefore, I'm pumped up about him coming back. Because my name's in the book. Is your name in the book? Put your name in the book. You know, becoming a follower of Jesus, becoming, being a Christian, it, it's a bit like, to use an analogy, uh, it, to get on the train. Get on the train. And I want to ask you some questions before I give you an opportunity to kind of follow Jesus or come back to follow Jesus, or recommit yourself to Jesus. Did you used to be on the train, and have you got off? I keep meeting people these days, they used to be on the train, going to Jesus, journeying with Jesus, and they've got off the train. Listen, I don't know why you've got off the train, for you, it might be a justifiable reason, but can I just say to you, please don't stay off that train. Please don't miss that train. Please don't do that. Some people are disappointed and they're discouraged. I met somebody recently who was, uh, who was on the train and they got disappointed by something that was said in church and they got off the train. And I said to him, listen, I said, there have been big mistakes made in the name of medicine. Huge mistakes. Years ago, there was a, a drug called thalidomide that caused terrible things in, in babies that were born. That was a mistake. Okay, Many mistakes have been made in the name of medicine, but we don't throw the whole of medicine out because of some mistakes. So if you've been disappointed... Don't throw the whole of Christianity out because the one thing you should know is this, that even though some of Jesus' followers might be unreliable and hypocritical, the founder of Christianity, Jesus, never was, never is. Get back on the train. Get back on the train. Yeah? Get back on the train. Some of you, you haven't got your ticket yet. You haven't got your ticket well, get your ticket. How do you get your ticket? Well, you get your ticket by saying, I'm, I'm willing to follow Jesus and I'm going to go via King's Cross. King's Cross. If you want it, you have to go back to the cross. If you go back to the cross and you bow at the cross and you say, I'm broken. Can you 
pay for my breakages? And could you cleanse me, heal me, restore me, reframe me, and empower me with your presence? That's your ticket. Then you get your ticket. Then you can get on the train. Are you standing on the platform thinking about getting on the train? When two people get married, the minister says to the man, will you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? And he says, well, I've been thinking actually. That's not going to help, is it? The question is, the answer is, I do. You can keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. But unless you get on the train, you're not on there. Some of you may think you've missed a train. You haven't missed the train. So long as you're living, breathing, you haven't missed the train. Now, you might miss it tomorrow. That's why it's very important to get the ticket while you're still alive. Because once you die, it's a bit late. Get on that train. So, can you all stand, please? First of all, I want to say to you, if you... If you've never got your ticket, you've never boarded the train, or you have, but you got off and you want to get back on, in a moment, in a moment, if you want to say, hey, I want to get back on that train, I want to get that, I want to follow Jesus, I want Jesus to pay for my breakages, and I want to be someone who looks up, looks in, looks back, looks around and looks forward. I want to be that type of person. Then in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come out of your rows and just come, come down. Just come down and stand here at the front. If, look, if you brought somebody this morning, then in a moment, just turn to them and say, would you like to do that? And would you like me to come with you? And that's fine. You can go with them. Come and come stand with them. Others of you, it may be there was something about this message this morning or something about the service this morning that stirred something in you. And for whatever reason, you want to make some kind of commitment or recommitment. It's great. You, you come out as well. And just come stand here. And then at the end, I'll pray a prayer. I'll ask you to pray the prayer. And then Killy, she's going to, my wife Killy's going to say a prayer for you. And then the church, they want to give you a Bible if you haven't got one. Or even if you've got one, get a new one. It's good. But they're going to pray for you. And that's really good. Because, you know, sometimes when you f have to, um, si like, fill in a very important document, you have to sign it, and then you have to count get someone to countersign it. I think sometimes when you allow someone else to pray for you, it's a bit like getting it countersigned, and something gets inked in. And you may be wondering, well, J. John, well, you know, why do I need to come and stand here at the front? No, actually, you don't need to. But the reason I want you to is because I want you to stand up here in front of 
many, many Christians, so that tomorrow you can stand up out there. I, I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. So it's saying, hey, yes. And sometimes I know what it's like in the journey of, of faith. You know, you can get slightly distracted, diverted, without consciously, intentionally wanting to get slightly derailed. And, and that's why sometimes it's good to review, realign, refocus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 